uh, this morning in worship. Um, you know, I think a lot of us are going through some things, right? Yeah. Um, I want to encourage you this morning that God, your creator, he's got you. All right. Amen. And, um, you know, we're moving into a new uh, series this morning, and it's about Ezekiel. That was called Priest and Prophet. The book yeah, of Ezekiel. Nice. Yeah. And we're going <laughs> to. What was that? Oh, yes. Zeke. <laughs> the book of Zeke. Um, and, uh, you know, God, God's calling for our lives is always just in time, isn't it? You know, we may be plotting towards something when God shows up and changes our plans. Yeah. You know, the prophet Ezekiel was training to be a priest when his path changed. And God called him to be a prophet. So this five-week series is going to walk us through the transformation of Ezekiel and God's incredible way of bringing hope out of a hopeless situation. God himself will, we're going to look at today, that God himself will shape the whole of Ezekiel's message. God does, right? Israel's blatant disregard for God's law and expectations has put the nation on a collision course with his judgment. Amen. You know, one of the things that I enjoyed uh, when I lived in New York so many years ago was, be, was going to museums and art galleries. And that's not me, by the way. <laughs> that's not the back of my head. Um, and I went there with friends and we had a blast, right? We, you know, I had a privilege of attending art exhibitions featuring works of renowned artists that I had even read about, right? Um, I love National Geographic. I love uh, reading about art. Um, I haven't done much of that recently, but I, I read articles and studied the details of their paintings and books and even watched documentaries about some of these artists. When I was in school, one of the classes I took uh, was about the Renaissance, right? And it was just so interesting and, and learned so much. But standing there in front of the actual canvas and feeling the textures, textures of the artist's creation was an experience that words couldn't capture. Knowing about the art and the artist from articles and books is very much different than the experience of seeing the artwork in person and feeling its impact, right? And so how about even the beach? Well, I had to mention the beach, right? We're from the Caribbean, so hey, right? And so how about even the beach? I can't express to you using words what the ocean is like. You have to be there. You have to, to hear the waves. You know, most beaches, they have this, like, slight fishy smell, you know? Yeah. And it's not, like, overwhelming. Sometimes, like, fish smells can be like, oh, gosh. But it's not overwhelming. You, it's almost like you smell, like, a little bit of fish and salt. And it's just this good smell. You feel the, the sand under your feet. But all these experiences 
experiences got me to thinking about our relationship with God. The difference between reading about him and genuinely encountering his presence. There is a distinct difference between reading about God and genuinely encountering him. Amen. Oswald Chambers, he said, it takes all time and eternity to know God. This is so true, but the experiences and the encounters that we have on the way as we set out to know him can be amazing. Why? Well, A.W. Towser says it plainly. He says, God will respond to our efforts to know him. Mm. God will respond to our efforts to know him. Are you putting out the effort to know God? You know, in today's digital age, we're flooded with information, right? No. (laughs) Sometimes I have to say things that are obvious. (laughs) Our devices, right, buzz with notifications. It's one of the reasons why I hardly ever wear a smartwatch anymore because I just feel like there's a vibration in my arm all the time. I mean, you can turn the notifications off, but you, well, when you turn it off, you feel like it should be on. And so the whole act of having it on, it kind of drives me bananas sometimes. You know, we have a plethora of, of articles at our fingertips, and we might think we're connected. Yet how often do we feel truly connected? We often, we often mistake knowledge about God for a deep connection with him. And as we read today's text, we're going to see that Ezekiel didn't just understand God. He was transformed for life. This foundational vision will shape much of Ezekiel's subsequent prophecies and the actions throughout this book. And so let's turn our Bibles to Ezekiel 1. Come on, Danny. And I want us to use our Bibles today. Uh, I don't have many slides for you. I want us to use our Bibles. And just to give some context here is that Ezekiel was a member of a priestly flat family that was deported to Babylon with the captives taken there in around 597 BC. And he was 30, as the, as the passage will tell us, the age when qualified descendants of Aaron, not that one, but Aaron in the scriptures were permitted to take their place as ministering priests when God appeared to him in a vision and called him to serve as a prophet. And so we're in Ezekiel 1, in verse 1, and it says, in my 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kibar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Wow. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi, by the Kibar River in the land of the Babylonians. There the hand of the Lord was on him. 
I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing light and surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal. And in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was human, but each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. All four of them had faces and wings, and, and the wings of one touched the wings of another. Each one went straight ahead. They did not turn as they moved. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a human being. And on the right side, each had the face of a lion. And on the left, the face of an ox. Kind of difficult to picture, isn't it? Each also had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. They each had two wings spreading out upward. Each wing touching that of the, the creature on either side. And each had two other wings covering its body. Each one went straight ahead. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go without turning as they went. The appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fire or like torches. Fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright and lightning flashed out. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. Let's stop there for now. And so this is how God is, going to, is revealing himself to Ezekiel, not by propositions regarding his character, but in a personal encounter. Imagine Ezekiel by the Kemar River, right? And suddenly the heavens open up. Amen. How amazing is that? Mm -hmm. The heavens open up and, the, and visions of God, not abstract, concepts, mind you, or theological arguments, but vivid, living, breathing entities. The cherubim, the wheels that we're going to read about, the vast expanse, the roaring fire. How amazing is that? See, this chapter sets the scene for Ezekiel's call to be a prophet. The overwhelming vision, it serves as both a confirmation of God's presence with the exiles in Babylon and as a commissioning for Ezekiel to deliver God's message to the people. Amen. He's like, I am with you. I am here. Can't you see it? This wasn't just about understanding God. It was an experience. Come on. That would mark Ezekiel's life forever. It was a transformation. 
God doesn't just give knowledge. He gives profound experiences yeah. that need to transform you. Yeah. Right. But we must be willing to be transformed. Amen. We must be willing to change, to be different, to be moved by God. The other thing is how omnipresent God is. In the next verse, in verse 15, it says, As I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. This was the appearance and, and structure of the wheels. They sparkled like topaz, and all four looked alike. Each appeared to be made like a wheel, intersected a wheel. As they moved, they would go in any one of the four directions the creatures faced. The wheels did not change direction as the creatures went. Their rims were high and awesome. And all four rims were full of eyes all around. When the living creatures moved, the wheels beside them moved. And when the living creatures rose from the ground, the wheels also rose. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go. And the wheels would rise among, along with them. Because the spirit of the living creatures was in the, in the wheels. When the creatures moved, they also moved. When the creatures stood still, they also stood still. And when the creatures rose from the ground, the wheels rose along with them. Because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Ezekiel describes these wheels moving in harmony with living creatures. This isn't just a depiction of God's power, but his intricate involvement in the universe. Right, right. God isn't a concept or a, or a, a distant deity. He's not, he's not so far away from us that we, that we can't feel him and understand him. He's involved. He's present. He's relevant. Right, right. Here with us, moving in patterns and paths we may not always understand, but can always trust. He's moving in a way that is trustworthy and it's awesome and powerful. It's mighty. Bigger than your fights. Yeah. God isn't a distant entity, but actively involved in our world. But there's indescribable beauty as well. In verse 22, spread out. I have a slide for this one. Spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked something like a vault. Sparkling like crystal and awesome. Under the vault, their wings were stretched out one toward the other. And each had two wings covering its body. When the creatures moved, I heard the sound of their wings. Can you imagine that? When they just moved, 
This, this loud sound of their wings like the roar of rushing waters, like the, like the voice of the Almighty. Like the tumult of an army. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. So then there's, there's this climax, right? And as Ezekiel tries to describe the indescribable, the glory of God, his words falter. Description, it falls short. Ezekiel struggled to find words that would do justice to God's glory. How can you? How, how do you describe the infinite using finite? But one thing was clear to Ezekiel, and it should be clear to us as well. God's majesty is beyond comprehension. Yeah. And it calls for our reverence. Yeah. yeah. You don't understand. We cannot understand God's reverence. We cannot understand his majesty. We cannot fully understand his power. If we could, we would behave a lot different. But it does call for our, our reverence. Brothers and sisters, we have to learn the difference between knowing God, knowing about God, and knowing God. Amen. While God is patient with us as we grow in this knowledge, he still expects a level of regard for himself Amen. about which he is unwilling to compromise. He's not willing to compromise our level of regard for him. There's a lot we need to know. Yeah. There's a lot we need to grow in. I'm not impressed by book knowledge about God. Yeah. <laughs> Behaviors are impressive. Yes. What you do with that knowledge is impressive. Yeah. You know, despite the catastrophic events that have befallen the Israelites, the vision underscores that God remains sovereign and in control. That's right. The mobility of the throne suggests that God's presence isn't confined to the temple. We see them moving around. It's not confined to the temple in Jerusalem, but can be with his people anywhere. Amen. Even in exile in Babylon. Amen. Do you believe that God is with you everywhere? Amen. Here and at home. Come on. Do you believe He's with you everywhere? Because belief influences action. So what does this mean for us? Here are five ideas to apply to our lives. The first one is pursue genuine encounters. You know, imagine having a friend who you only ever text but never meet in person. <laughs> 
think I do have a couple of those. <laughs> While you may know their day-to-day -day updates, you miss out on the depth of connection that comes from sitting face-to-face -face and hearing their voice and understanding their emotions. Similarly, we often keep our relationship with God at the texting level, missing out on the profound connection of a genuine encounter. When you're looking for a genuine encounter with God, where do you go? Do you even have a place? When was the last time you truly felt God's presence? Wow. Not just spoke about him, not just read a verse, but felt him deep right. within. I challenge you this week, seek that personal encounter with God. Amen. Dive into his word, not just for knowledge, but for experience. Amen. You know, I do see, and, I, and we're family here. I see a couple people nodding off, but if this type of thing is boring to you, we have to change. If reading this is boring, we got to change. Embrace reverence is the other thing. Let's learn from Ezekiel. Every time we pray, every time we read the scriptures, every time we come into his presence, let's do it with a sense of awe. Where it's blowing our minds. This is God. Ask yourself, have I become too casual with God? How can I invite reverence back into my spiritual journey? Yeah. The third thing is to move from knowledge to relationship. All right. Think about the difference between reading a biography of a famous person and actually having a series of deep conversations with him. I would love to do that. I've read so many biographies. I'd love to just sit out with them and just question them to death. Hmm. While the biography might provide facts and stories, the personal chats would give insight into their actual thoughts. Their feelings, their essence of who they are, of why they're even doing that, writing such a thing. Knowing about God is reading his biography. Yeah. Knowing God is having that deep, Ongoing conversation. Wow, come on. Come on. It's easy to accumulate facts, guys. Yeah. I've accumulated a lot of facts. Right? But God calls us for a relationship. Yeah, that's right. All right. This come week, on. I pray we'll dedicate moments where you're not just seeking to know God, but to know, not just seeking to know about God, but to know Him. Yeah. Let your prayers be conversations, your, your, your Bible study be meetings. Yeah. I'm setting a time and I have a meeting with God. Yeah. Me and him, we got some stuff to discuss. Dedicate time to personal prayer and meditation, seeking a genuine connection. Yeah. Number four, understand true worship. 
We can't genuinely worship a God that we merely know about. Right. True true worship comes out from a heart that knows God personally. Not knows about God, but knows God. Dive into the scriptures like Ezekiel and let them be the compass that guides your heart to God. Number five is a depth of knowing God, right? Not just to know him, but have a deep knowledge of God. Understand the difference, knowing about God versus truly knowing him. And remember, God desires a deep relationship a deep relationship yes. with us. Yes. And while he's patient, he expects our genuine reverence. He expects genuine reverence. We 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 have to we need to recognize his goodness and righteousness in all in all things. And so I say to you, church, imagine a church, right, where every one of us doesn't just quote verses but shares fresh testimonials of God's presence in your lives. Imagine the strength, the unity, the power of that. As a community, let's commit to that vision. Let's support each other. Not just in, in gaining knowledge, but in seeking genuine genuine spiritual experiences. Imagine coming to a midweek and saying, here's how God moved. Here's what God did just today. I wasn't expecting it, but it blew my mind. (laughs) This is what God did today. I appreciate our good news. But imagine us coming in here and one person says, here's how he moved. Mm. Another person says, here's what he did. Mm. Another person says, here is how he transformed me. Yes, sir. sir. Let's pledge to create moments in our church where we can collectively encounter God's presence in profound ways. And so before we go into communion, I just want to say as we as we leave here today, remember the difference between looking at a picture of a mountain and standing atop it. Feeling the wind on your face. Let's not be content with just pictures of God. Let's climb the mountain. Let's take a step closer to God this week. Seeking not just knowledge, but a genuine experience of his majesty. And, you know, as we transition into a time of communion, I want to carry the theme of the sermon, right? Mm. Truly encountering God into this time of communion. And so let's picture ourselves standing before 
a vast ocean. The sheer magnitude of its depth, its vastness, and how overwhelming that is. You can read about the ocean. You can read it in National Geographic. You can even see pictures. But standing before it, yeah. hearing the waves crash against the rocks, yeah. feeling the mist that comes up on your face because of it crashing against the rocks. That is an encounter. Communion is our tangible encounter with Jesus. Come on. Consider the bread that represents the body. And as you hold the bread in your hands, Remember that this represents the very body of Christ. It's a tangible representation of God's love and sacrifice. Amen. Just as Ezekiel had a profound vision of God, we too right now have, via the sense of touch, a reminder of Jesus' presence in our lives. Consider the wine, the blood, right? As you hold the cup, think, think about its significance. It isn't just a a ritual or a tradition. It's a symbol of a new covenant. A relationship sealed by the shedding of Jesus' blood. That's right. Ezekiel, again, he had visions of God's majesty and his holiness. Mm -hmm. And in this cup, we're reminded of God's grace and the lengths he went to for our redemption. Amen. And then let us reflect. Let us think. As we take communion, travel, tra- challenge yourself to not just go through emotions. Mm-hmm. It's not just something you do on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Seek an encounter with Jesus. <coughs> Remember the depth of his love the breadth of his sacrifice, Mm -hmm. how deep his sacrifice was, and the promise of his presence. Mm -hmm. Brothers and sisters, church, this is our moment to not just know about God, but to truly commune with him. And I'm sure this may take practice, but it's good. It's worth it. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, as we take part in this communion, God, help us to truly encounter you. Amen. Let this bread and and this juice be more than symbols. Yeah. Let them be tangible reminders of you and your son's immense love and grace and sacrifice. Father, we don't want to just know about you. We want to know you deeply. We pray for you to help us. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Through your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.